right, let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have uh, to gather together this morning. Uh, today is a, is a day the world celebrates the, the resurrection of your son. Father, we do that on the first day of every week. Uh, we do that every single day of our lives. We celebrate what the resurrection means to us. But today we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a, a lot of folks here that uh, this is the only time that that's we'll, what they'll do that. And I just pray, Father, that you be with us uh, as a body, that you help us, Father, to reach out and touch those folks in a very positive way, and help us, Father, to, uh, to strive to encourage and uplift and edify as we strive to glorify you. Father, as we study this morning, we ask your blessings upon us to help us to learn and help us to grow. And Father, help us have the courage to apply what we, what we learn in our lives. For those that are watching us this morning online, whether it's this class or whether our worship, I pray, Father, that they will be edified, they will be uplifted, uh, they will be encouraged by what they see and hear this morning. Bless us, Father, as, as a body of your believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 17, if you want to turn over there. Come on in, guys. I'll, I'll wait just a minute, all right? Come on in. We've got Easter stuff going on, and we got people coming in, so I will, it's going to be just a little bit. Okay. Again, we're in John chapter 17. And uh, what, if you, I'm going to review a, a bunch here, okay? Because what we, what, what you have in chapter 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus telling his disciples, this is what's coming. This is what's happening. You know, this is, a, this is hours before he's going to be crucified, hours before he's going to be put on a cross, hours before he's going to fulfill what the Old Testament talked about over and over and over again. And he knows that. They don't understand. And so what he's doing here is he's telling them, this is what's coming. I'm going to leave. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send a counselor to you to help you to remind you of the things that I've taught you. And he said, and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that everything's going to be okay. So, so they, uh, so they've listened to this discourse for two or three chapters. Chapter 17 is where he prays for them. Last week we looked. I told you there's three different parts of this. We're going to look at three different parts of this prayer. Chapter 17, and the first part of it is where he asked for his, that the Father would glorify him, that would lift him up, honor him. He knows what he's fixing to have to go through. He knows that he's going to be he's going to be brutalized. He knows that he is going to be uh, he's going to be uh, uh, an ultimate shame is going to come to him. He knows what's fixed to happen. He knows that he's going to be alone. He knows that he's going to hang on that cross alone. He knows all of this, and so he asked the Father, "Please glorify me. Please lift me up. Please help me here." It does not mean that he's not going to still go to the garden. He's still going to go to the garden and go beg for his life. He knows what's coming. And here he said, I need you to glorify me so that I can glorify you. And that's what he prays for. We looked at that last week. And, uh, and we know that, that, that uh, you know, and the next part of this thing is the, uh, is the prayer that he has for his disciples. Now remember, I told you in a lot of this discourse, he was not talking to us. He was talking to them. He was telling these good friends of his, remember, there's only 11 of them left. One of them's already gone. He's already gone to do what he's going to do. And, and these 11 guys, he knows what's fixed to happen, and, and we're going to talk about that some this morning. 
uh, he knows that. And he knows that this is that this is going to be the most traumatic time in their life. He's going to leave them. And they're going to feel abandoned. They're going to feel alone. And he knows they're all going to run except for one. Only John's not going to run. The only one. And he and he is uh, he is praying for them in this next part. We're going to start uh, in verse 6. And I'm going to read all of this. This goes all the way to verse 19. So we're going to read it all. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. In John chapter John chapter 17. John 17. We're going to start in verse 6. This is the prayer he prays for his disciples. Now, the last part of the prayer is where he's going to pray for us. Okay? That's where he's going to pray for us. Not us, us as individuals, but us as those who are going to believe on him through their message. Today, we're looking 2,000 years later, 2,000 some odd years later, we're reading John. Okay, John is one of the guys that's sitting there listening to him, and he is, and John is 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 relating to us what he says. So when he gets into the last part of the prayer and he prays for the believers, he said, "I'm not praying for the, you guys alone. I'm praying for every one of you, everyone that's going to believe on me through your message. So if we if we believe on him through the message that he that John puts out, or that Peter, or that any of the rest of these guys put out, he's praying for us as well." So even this discourse may have not have been directed to us, but it was in a way. Because we can learn from it and we can grow from it. Okay? Let's look at what he said. I have revealed you to those whom you have give, gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they, they have obeyed your word. Now they know that, that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come from me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as you are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Okay? Let's go back to the beginning of it. He tells them, he said, I've revealed myself. How did he reveal himself to them? How did he do that? How did Jesus reveal himself to them? If you remember in chapter 14, we looked at this, and he said, he said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So every single day that he was with them, he was revealing the Father to them. He was showing them, this is what the Father's like. You have an understanding of who the Father is? No, maybe wrong. Look at what Jesus did. Look at how Jesus lived his life. Look at how he responded to people. Look at how he how he dealt with the problems in his life. And see how he responded. That's what the Father's like. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 tells us to imitate the Father. Imitate him. Well, how do I imitate? I have to find somebody that can reveal him to me so I know what I'm doing. And so I know who he is and what he is. And Jesus said, I've done that. I have revealed. He said, in the very first part, he said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. We looked at that last week. You know, those, those that get, he said, all of those who he presented the truth to, all those he picked, he chose, 
he presented, and they were obedient, and they responded. That's the ones that gave to that the father gave to him. So, you know, there's there's a uh, when you look at verse seven through eight, there's something here that that when I first read it, I looked at it again, I read it again, I read it again. I want you to look at this. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Okay? Got that? What do you see there? What did, what did he say? What did he say? They have been certain. They believe with certainty that you sent me here, that I came here. That you be, They believed that the words I gave you, were, they gave them were the words from you. They believed that. Okay? Tell me something. You see anything there? Huh? They're going to run for their lives and hide under rocks. Are you kidding me? This gives me a great deal of hope. You know why? Because when I start running and hiding under rocks, I know that they did it too. And he found it okay for them. Found it okay. Sometimes life's going to just stink. And you're going to get, it's going to get so awful, you're going to want to run and hide. You're going to want, and you want to crawl away and just say, God, you know, you maybe not have. I've shaken my fist at God and said, how dare you? How dare you? Don't you know who I am? Didn't last long. Because I was really afraid that somebody was going to, you know, I was going to get it. You know, but you know, I know for certain, people that know my wife and I, we've been faithful to God for since we were in our late 20s. We know that we that what he said is true. I know the resurrection's real. I know that I'm going to go home one day. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Sometimes life can get so bad and Satan can get so bad that you just, I mean, you, you want to crawl under a rock. You know what gives me comfort is these guys did too. The only ones left standing there is John. What happens to Peter? What happens to him? What did Jesus tell him is going to happen? Man, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's not just going to deny it. You go look at that discourse. You know what he does? He is using profanity like a sailor. He says he is cursing is what he does. You ever got so mad that something got so scared that, that it caused you to respond in a negative way? Have you? Did you look at it around and say, man, God must hate me now? You ever thought that? These guys knew for certain. They were there with the Messiah. They were there. You know, the, the you know, something about the resurrection that if you go to the book of John, John chapter 11, and he's talking to Mary and Martha, and Lazarus just dies. And, and he said, he said, he's not, he's going to live. Well, I know he's going to live the resurrection. And he said, do you believe? And he said, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe, that's what she said. I believe that you are the Messiah. That's a great invitation line, don't you think? Do you believe that he's the Messiah? You believe? If you do, then you respond in the right way. It doesn't mean you're always going to get it. You're always going to be right. You know, sometimes you're going to mess this up, man. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes. These guys did. You know, Paul at some point in the book of Acts is going to have to get in Peter's face because of what he's doing is wrong. He's, he's singling out, alienating certain people. And Paul said, man, what you're doing is wrong. Not right. These guys were, they knew for certain. Right? Isn't that what he said? They knew for certain. Now, I'm going to look at something else here. You know, uh, I want you to go to the to later on in this chapter. Uh, and he talks about, Father, please protect them. Okay? What is, what is, uh, what does Jesus know that's coming? What does he know? He said, I've protected them. I'm not going to read. He said, I have protected them while I'm here. 
So what does he know as soon as he's gone, what's going to happen? Persecution. Persecution. It's going to get bad. Yeah, it's going to get bad. It's going to, they're going to find some spiritual battles that they're, that in, they're in trouble, right? They're going to find some. And, and he, but he is protected. How, how do you think he's protected them so far? How, how, what do you think he's done? From what you know of Scripture, what has he done that's protected them so far? How did, let me, I'll give you, we got a bunch of little kids out there this morning. They're having a great time, okay? What do we got out there with them? I know there's one or two guys out there that are out there for a different reason. You know what they're out there for? To protect them physically. I'm not going to tell you who they are. I'm just telling you there are guys out there that their job is to protect them physically. So nobody comes up and does harm to one of them. You know? They stand in they stand in the gap, stand before them, stand between. What did Jesus do for these guys? He stood this did the same thing. He stood in the gap. He stood in front of he stood there and said, I'm going to protect you. And I'll take all the beating. I'll take all of the, the ugliness. Did he do that? Did you know he, he gave them powers when he sent them out and he said, Man, you know, the, even the demons run from us. You know, what I mean they they were impressed. He gave them abilities and he and but in the in the meantime he stood in the in the way. How does it make you feel to know that if you if you walk with him, that he's going to protect you? How does that make you feel? Do you need protection from anything? Yeah. Linda said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I need protection." What do you need protection from, Bobby? What do you need protection from? Sickness. Sickness. Death. Death. Immediate death. Okay. Accidents. And you say that sickness and death, you say that because what has just happened in your life? I lost my wife. Lost his wife a couple of years ago. And I couldn't save her. You know, she got sick, got really sick, and she died. You know? And and it's and it's and it broke him for a while, didn't it? But what gave you what gave you relief? What what gave you the protection? What what was there that helped you? My inner spirit. Okay. I remember the first day you walked in. A year or so ago, remember when you walked in, how scared you were, because you didn't know what to expect, you know what was going to happen, and found people here that would love you in spite of who you are, in spite of what has happened in your life, right? You know that's that's him, that's him protecting us, providing us with a family, with a family that we can connect to, family that that will love us and can share. He tells us that that himself, that that when the first Christians are baptized in Acts chapter two, you know what does he do with them? He adds them to their number. In verse 47 of chapter 2 of Acts, he adds them to their number. Daily those who are being saved. And if you look at 42 through 47 of that chapter, it says these guys, they had every, they, they completely abandoned their lives before because that's where the protection was, was with these people. How else has he protected you? How does he, how does he protect us? He protects us when we fall and fall away. He's still there waiting for us to come back and helping us come back. Linda said that when we fall... He protects us to help us to come back. There are people out there that believe once you fall, you can't come back because of a, of a, of a misrepresentation of Scripture. Scripture doesn't say that. It says just the opposite of that. But there are people out there that teach that. So we have an idea, well, if I fell away, then I can't come back. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said there, he's there to pick us up and, and dust us off and accept us back. You know, what does he do with Peter when Peter denies him over and over and over again. What does he do? He loves him. He says, Peter, I need you to feed my sheep. Will you feed my sheep? He gives him responsibility. I need you to go to stand there and do, be the one who stands in the, in, the, in the way of Satan to keep him from. How else does he protect us? He 
Satan is alive and well. And he walks this earth every day right alongside of us. That's right. And we pray for God's protection yeah. to keep him away from us. Absolutely. I, you know, we, uh, Larry said that Satan is alive and well. And he's prowling around. It's said he's like a roaring lion prowling around seeking who he may devour. He wants to eat you, guys. He wants to eat you. And he's going to use everything at his disposal to try to undermine you. But what does God tell us? He said, temptation's going to come. Problems are going to come. I've got two things going for me, though. I have a Savior who knows exactly what I'm going through. Hebrews chapter 4 tells me that. He can empathize. He sympathizes with me. And also, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, says, he is not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. That's a protection that I need to... I, you know, when it happens, it's not more than I can bear. It may seem like it to me at the time. It may feel like it at the time. But you know what? It's not. Because God has promised it's not more than you can bear. You can deal with this. I'll make sure because I'll strengthen you. How else does he protect us? Gave us the Holy Spirit. Gave us the Holy Spirit. How does that protect us? Huh? Okay. There, there are things that he brings with him. He brings gifts with him, all right. That that this year we're gonna, this summer we're gonna do a summer series. Every every Wednesday night we're gonna do a, a class on one of the gifts of the spirit, and we've got five or six guys that from here that are gonna teach a class. Uh, we've got some out there that I'm not gonna tell you who they are, but they're still deciding whether they're whether they have enough courage to stand in front of you and teach a class that they've never done before. So, uh, but we're asking them. So, huh? No, it's starting in summer. Starting in June, we're gonna do a summer series. And, and and talk about each one of those gifts that he brings and what what does it mean that when he gives me peace and patience and long suffering you know self-control he brings those with me how does that protect me makes me stronger makes me able to do things that I couldn't do before you know and then he tells me in that same text he said keep in step with the spirit step spirit's got a direction he's going he's got to, you got to keep in step with him so these are all ways I, you know what what helps me is he gave me the word he gave me the word and I'm amazed at how many people uh, that call themselves religious people have so little understanding of what the book says. It, it, it amazes me. You know, I was talking to Cole one day, and he was talking to a specific preacher here in town, and he said, Dan, you would be shocked. If, if, and it was it was of a denominational group, and, and it was a, some guy, and he had some contact with him, and he was, you know, going to have breakfast or lunch or something anyway. He said, you'd be surprised at how little book he knows. I said, come on. He said, you'd be surprised. You'd be shocked that he doesn't know how to connect this to this and doesn't know this and this. He thought, really? Said, you know, God gave us this so that I can have life. Okay? That I can have it abundantly through the knowledge of him. Where am I going to get the knowledge of him? I'm going to get it from you. If you're getting it, if you're getting your knowledge of him from me, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I told him guys in the jail one time. I said, you believe in Christ and you believe in him because of me? I said, if you believe in him because of me, we're both done. I said, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Is it okay for you to, for both of us to go to hell? So, you know, read it for yourself. Study it. Find out. It will protect you in those times when you find out Satan's running around looking for you. He'll take you to it. You ever open the book and it was just exactly what you need to hear? Just exactly what you need to see? You think that's by chance? You think it just happens? Or you think that God's not in control? It amazes me how, how little control we think God has sometimes, especially in our in this country. So, you know, he said, he tells them, he tells he said, they're going to be hated. These guys are going to be hated by the world because they're not of the world. 
Have that has that happened to you? You know, these guys are gonna be are gonna be separate from the world, They're gonna pull themselves out of the world. Okay? They're gonna believe in a Messiah that nobody believes in. They're gonna believe in a resurrection they're gonna be laughed at. Paul is laughed at in in uh, in Athens. If you go to Acts chapter 17, he's they laugh at him. They sneer at him because he believes in a resurrection. He teaches the resurrection. They didn't believe in it. They didn't believe it. You know, people today. People today will come to church today, many of them, some of them, not all of them, but some, will come to church because they believe it necessary to come to church on this day. Most church attended day of the year. Easter is the most church attended day of the year. I'll go to Fortran and there'll be people there that, that have not been there in a long time. They'll be there. Because because they that's what they believe. It doesn't it it's too difficult for many to pull themselves out of the world and say, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to live like this. Because it puts you at odds with people. You ever had that happen in your life? I know there are people in this room right now that's happening in their life right now. That they're at odds with people in their life because they pull themselves away from, from that world and are trying to insert themselves into a world that is different. A world that God has ordained. A world that God dictates to you and tells you how to live and how to act and how to talk. And it's, and it's a problem. For you, isn't it? You know, I see some a couple of people going, you know, it is. Because they look at it and say, you know, they hate me. They hate what I stand for. They hate everything that I'm that I'm about. And that's what these guys are going to face. And, you know, these guys believe so strongly in it. After the fact, they believe so strong in it that they were willing to die. They were willing to die. So, he tells, he tells them, uh, uh, In verse 15, he says, my, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. This is what Larry was talking about. Okay, Give us protection. He said, sanctify them by the truth. This is what I said about that would protect me. Sanctify me. You know what that means? What the word sanctifies means? It means to be set apart. It means set them apart by the word. How, is the, how, does, the word, how does the word set you apart from the world? How does it set you apart? If it, you will allow it to, how does it set you apart from the world? It gives you a clear view of what purpose in life is for, right? How long have you been a Christian? How when you came to us in October, in, in October and you had an understanding, a basic understanding, and a, and you know the repentance had already happened for you, and you decided, you know, I want to be baptized. We baptized you that morning, remember? And it, and 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 I watched you, I watched you learn and learn and learn and be like a sponge, hungry to learn and learn and learn, and it has started to set you apart and it's giving you protection because you have that to fall back on that you didn't have it before. You didn't have, you couldn't connect, you couldn't connect a piece of string, could you? It was like spaghetti, and now you're starting to get where you can connect it, can't you? And that's that's very that's very encouraging to a person when they can do that because it makes you feel empowered, makes you feel stronger. Makes me feel like, hey, I've got access here, and I've got, I've got allies here, not us, but allies in heaven. I've got with me because now I'm starting to see what God says to me, and it, and I'm sorry for those who don't get it and don't want to get it, you know, because He said I'm going to sanctify them by the truth. The truth will sanctify them. Will set them apart, you know. And He says here, He says, uh, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me to the world, I have sent them to the world. For them, I sanctify myself. 
He said, for them, for these guys, for these people, for these, these disciples here, I sanctify myself. I'm going to set myself apart from the world. What did that mean for him? What did it mean for him? Death. Death on a cross. Not just death on a cross. They're going to butcher him. They're not just going to kill him. They're going to butcher him. Okay? They're going to butcher him. And he said, I set myself apart. Now, we're going to know in just an hour or so, where is he going to find himself? In the garden. Doing what? Begging for his life. Please, I don't want to do this. Here he said, I'm going to sanctify myself. But still even Jesus, he said, you know what? Is there another way? I'd really like to not do this. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. And so he goes to the cross and allows them to do that. Allows them to butcher him. So that you and I can be elevated above the world and protected from the world. And he said, and he said, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. You know, the, the more you study and the more you grow and the more you grow closer to Christ, the more you feel like I have been set apart. I have, you know, I have access. I'm, I, I'm around people that feel like that. I, I'm around people that I'm not going to allow, they're not going to allow uh, themselves to, to be disruptive in my life. And, it, and it's a great feeling. Now, I've got a couple of questions. How does following Jesus help you to set yourself apart from the world? How does it do that? How, how have you found following Jesus helps you to set yourself apart from the world? We know here the Word does it. But how, what have you found that following Jesus helps you to do to set yourself apart from the world? How does following Jesus do that for you? And this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restate your, your answer when you say it. All right? What is, why do you think? Tell me how following Jesus helps you to set yourself apart from the world. Well, the world is definitely not following Jesus. The, def the world is definitely not you following Jesus. Jesus. The way you act, the things that you do, the love that you show, okay. is set you apart. Okay. Uh, the things I do, the things I say, will definitely set me apart. I, you know, I, I remember when George and I first were converted and we had a little family and I used to have a job right over here and I'd go by here on, before I was converted, I'd go down Manor Drive and I'd, on Wednesday and I'd see all these people going to church. And I said, you poor schmucks. You gotta, I said, I go to church once a week. That's enough. When I feel like it. And I'd go, and then all of a sudden, guess what? I was one of them. Coming on Wednesday, and I'm thinking, that guy driving by, is he looking at me and saying, I hope so. I hope he is. And I hope one day he... He can say, you know what? I used to watch these folks do this. And it's setting me apart. Being being able, following him made me look at it. And I said, you know, he gets two days, two times a week. That's all he's going to get. Not getting no more than that. I gave him Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and gave him Sunday night too. He's not getting that. Guess what happened? Set me apart. You know, the more I studied, the more we studied together, and we decided, you know what? I want to be here. I don't want to be there. I want to be here. I want to be with these people. And so now, that's, that's how it sits. Following him made me have to be obedient to things that I didn't know I needed to be obedient to. I didn't know that there was things I needed to do. I didn't know. I talked to people that have had to quit their jobs. They said they didn't know that their job was in the way and, and following Christ demanded more than that from them. They didn't know. Or, you know, my son, Paul, is going to do the communion talk this morning. He said, do you like to do the communion talk for me this morning? I said, sure, no problem. I said, you'll go to Fortran for me. <laughs> nah, I don't think I want to do that. I said, I'll, I'll give you my notes. You can go to Fortran for me, and I'll, and I'll 
do the community talk to you. That's a that's a win on my part. Now you don't want to do that. But you know what? Setting being set apart, him following Christ, that setting apart. He knows that he's going to go do that, and you're going to find out he's really good at. It. He's really you know, good at. It. I, was, I huh? used to be super sensitive as to what people thought of me, and uh, through time, uh, I just it does it's it's not a problem to me for me to know, and and there's hope in my heart that as they see my life, that something will take effect. What Carmen's saying is she used to be super sensitive, and she used to be. Uh, in a way, now she's she's gotten to the point now where where she's confident, has that confidence in her now, and that's following Christ has given her that the confidence of things that you've been through with with all the things that have happened in your life that that you're no longer super sensitive anymore to what people may say or what people may do, but now you're you have the confidence. That's what following Christ gives us, can give us if we'll allow it to. How what what is following Christ? How does it how does it uh, set you apart from the world? Because many people, there are many people in the world like Carmen that are very sensitive, very, they're very meek, and they sit like this, and people, and the world beats them up. It beats them up in most, in many instances, whether they're in family or in society, it beats them up. And they find when they come to follow Christ, that Christ gives me confidence and gives me a purpose, gives me a direction that I didn't have before, and makes me feel like I, I have a purpose. Vincent, they serve another people who's great joy you know, okay reaching out to them and saying you know, helping them in some way it gives you great joy to, yeah. to be able to help people so following Christ there's a lot of people in the world that help people but many times they don't do it for the same reason you may do it for right I mean you help people a lot and and it gives you a great tremendous amount of joy to do that but you know and there's no there's nothing selfish or self-centered there you know, and that's that. That's following Christ gives you that. You y'all understand that? Being able to to reach out and help someone and know they can't give you anything back. There's nothing they can give you. They're, you're gonna give. It's like this lady, this lady uh, Maya, this little girl that that, that we we helped. She's gonna be here this morning, isn't she? Laura and Maya are gonna be here this morning. She's looking at another surgery yet. She was the little girl that got run over in front of Denny's. Remember her? And she's gonna be here this morning. Please introduce her to a bunch of folks. Please introduce her. I won't be. I'd, I'd love to meet her, but you know, I'll get a chance another time. But please introduce her because because she's responded to you guys helping her, you guys reaching out to her, praying for her, giving money to her because because they don't have anything. They have not. They have no insurance. They have nothing. Yep. And and they God's people stepping up because they're not following the world. It's being set apart from the world. I got another question. How does how does prayer help you to face the daily pressures of life? Gives you strength. Gives you strength. Gives you strength. So the the being able to pray, talk to God, know He's listening, gives you strength. Anybody else? How does how does Holy Holy Spirit? I mean, there's times you know I'll get up and I'll pray in the morning, but I'll be so angry about a situation in my life. I don't know what to say. But yeah. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is there, and the Absolutely. Lord has to discern what I'm saying. And Absolutely. More, but you know that to me, that is a great blessing. It's a great blessing to have the Holy Spirit and to know that God's listening. You know, I think for many people, just to know He listens. Are you confident He's listening to you? Do you really believe that He's listening? You believe He hears you? 
Do you? It's really? Sharing the burden. Sharing the burden. Carrying it by yourself. Not carrying it by yourself. You know, Paul and Bliss asked us to pray yesterday for something that was going on in their life, and we prayed. Asked him how'd it go, and he said it went great. It went awesome. You know, and I said, well, we were praying for you. We we're praying for you. You know, I believe that God heard us. I believe that that He heard us and that He intervened and, and helped that situation to, to rectify itself. You know, we prayed for you know we prayed for people here that have had sick children and you know you guys when little Z was was you know in the hospital and dying. I mean, he was he was dying, and this church just I mean just flooded God with prayers for that little boy. Now he's alive and well. You'd never know that that happened to him. You know, I mean he. The, the, the perpetrator is in, is gone. You know, all that happened. And I believe it happened because of prayer. I think Daniel, who is in the hospital still, I don't know if he's still in intensive care. I haven't heard. But, you know, Daniel is a, is rough and tough. And, you know, he's, you know, he, you see him and he's got tattoos all over and he's got, carries a big Bowie knife on his belt. You know, you think, oh, man, man. You know, but he's just as tender and soft and, and, and he's laying there in that hospital bed and we visit him a few times and he's got hoses all. And he and he's he's so he's so vulnerable, and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for him. Cole and I walked in the other day, and his his mother was praying. Well, now his mother and father want to be baptized. Their dad, their son's still living still living on a on a in an ICU room with hoses, all, and they want to be baptized because they know that this place has reached out to them in prayer. You know, it's amazing. And I got one more question. What interferes with your prayer life? What interferes? Say that louder, Linda. Me. Me. I interfere. I forget I need to do this. I forget that, it, that it's necessary for me to, to have a communication. I forget sometimes. You think, well, man, you're an elder. What? That don't mean nothing. I still forget. I get caught up in the, the, the day and the things are going on. I forget sometimes, you know, Specific, then something will happen, and I try to I try to have a mindset where where I'm thinking about those things all day long. Sometimes things get in the way; they just do. So, what interferes for you? What interferes for your in your prayer life that it, to have the kind of prayer life that Jesus is talking about here, and that He has where He's talking to the Father and knows the Father's listening? What interferes? Negativity in the world. Negativity in the world. Explain, Clarence. No matter no matter where you go, what you do, there's always negative. Yeah. No matter what you do, if you really stop and think about it, there's always somebody that says, Why did you do that? Yeah. Why the, do you care? There's negativity everywhere. You know, everywhere. and in our society today, we're, our society is is breeding more negativity all the time. You know, in politics and banking, whatever it is, you go to the gas station, you know, I mean if you're normal, you know, you get just a little bit miffed every time you go to the gas station, right? It's negative. Is this ever going to happen? Well, they went down. That's what it went down. Yeah, it went down from 385, 365. Are you kidding me? 20 cents? What do you think you're going to appease me with 20 cents? That, that's going to appease me? I want it to go down $2. That would make it that would that would make it feel really good. That would take some of the negativity away, right? But it doesn't happen that way. When, when I, uh, I sold insurance at one time before I worked for Oh, PhD. Lord. Yeah. You and sold insurance. My supervisor says that negative people. The more you hang around negative people, you become negative. Yes, exactly. And that's a battle in itself to stay positive. Yeah. When the world around you is negative all the time. And it's hard to it's what can interfere is having more negative people around you. Okay? And and not looking for the positive. We are the we are the most in the world to be blessed. And we ought to be happy. 
and joyful. That's one of the fruits that the Spirit brings is joy. Jesus said right here, he said, he said that their joy may, that he said, uh, I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy. We said, saw in another part of this discord, he said their joy might be complete, that they might know for sure and it bring joy out of them and it causes, the completeness causes them to respond in the right way. They will, eventually. They will. But what I, what I wanted you to see from this prayer is that we're not unlike these guys. You know, even though we may know for sure, we're still struggle with the day-to-day -day stuff, and we're going to fall sometime. We're going to need each other to help us up. We're going to need God to protect us. We're going to need Jesus and the Word to sanctify us. We're going to need all that stuff because there are going to be some spiritual battles in our life. There are going to be some battles that that uh, uh, that is going to really tax you. Death in a, in a family, you know, unfaithfulness in a family, you know, lying in a family, no money in a family. All of those things can bring a great deal of turmoil in a family. And we need to know that God knows what we're going through because Jesus experienced it. He was here, experienced it. And today, we celebrate him coming out of the tomb. Because if that tomb's not empty, we're done. If it's not empty, we're done. You got something, Larry? I'm just going to say, a lot of times you lose those battles. Yeah. You lose those battles. That's a good the point. point. The point is to win the war. Yeah. So, yeah. you're going to lose some battles. We're going to lose some battles, what he said. We're gonna, the point is to, lose, is to win the war. The war's already been won. We just got to follow the we just got to follow the command. You know, we just got to follow him. We're going to lose some battles. That's just the way it is. We got to follow the commander. And if we do that, we're going to win. We're going to win because he promised he's going to take us home. All right, I got to go, guys. Thanks.